Report, recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. As far as brothers are concerned, he's a pressure cooker from start. To finish, he'll diminish like a Cuisinart. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, I think it's going to get a lot less weak. We got, we got a ton of fun stuff going on. We're going to talk about some movies we saw. We're going to talk about some cool toys we got over at the flea market. It's it's going to be a hoot and a half. What else can I say? You're uh, you're going to be all in on it. So without further ado, let's get started on the shoe. Brace yourself. This is the Toys R Us Report. You do it for the fame. For the cause. That's why we're real living and you're just Mr. Movie Montage. Not that there's anything wrong with a montage. A movie montage is a beautiful thing. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing a montage of my life, even though I think it would be me walking from this side of the room to the other side of the room, maybe sitting here doing this, maybe in my spacesuit, out uh, wiping down the vents. I don't know, talking to Iceberg, uh, going over to the snack shack. Any, any number of tedious things of that sort. But lately, the tedium has been has been broken up by a new a new distraction here on the station. The the Commodore, the owner of Pooptronics Media, Pooptronics Cellular, the company that owns the station that we're the cell station that we're broadcasting from right now. He he was nice enough to send us something that he received as a gift, but he did not himself want. As you recall, at one point he sent us a a jukebox that can connect to the internet, and we've been using that and we've been having fun. He, you know, he he's not he's not really the party animal type, and he didn't want the jukebox, and he didn't want this other thing that he sent to us, and it is it is a multicade, and we've. We've had it over in the Snack Shack. We got that, and we went ahead and we downloaded some arcade sound sound effects, and we've, we've been playing those over the jukebox, so the whole place seems like a uh, a mini arcade, and I was over there the other day, and I caught my man Iceberg, and I recorded, I have a, you know, little little tape recorder, and I brought it with me, and I recorded us playing uh, a bit of Multicade over there, so I am going to grab the cassette for that, and I'm going to, uh, hold on one second, I got a, I got the cassette right here, no, that's not it, is this, this one might be it, I'm sorry, I should have had this, I should have had this better organized, but I'm gonna pop this, this is the one right here, I taped over, I taped over this tape, what is it, what is it, Lionel Richie, I taped over a Lionel Richie tape, I put masking tape across the top and I wrote in Sharpie Iceberg at the arcade. So I'm going to pop that in right now. We will join it in progress. Good evening. 
Hey, Iceberg, what's going on, dude? Long time no see. Hey, man. What are you doing here? Shouldn't you be cleaning vents or something? I could say the same for you, dude. Aren't you supposed to be cleaning vents with me? I am on my union-mandated break time. I know you get a break, dude, but it, it, it feels like you've been on break for a couple hours already. You don't know when I started. Don't act like you do. Alright, man. I, I, I don't want to argue. What are, you, what are you up to? What are you playing? I just finished a game of Tetris. Do you want to play something? Yeah, that'd be cool, man. I would like to play something. How about, uh, how about a game of Burger Time? Burger Time? That game is so dumb. It's not dumb. It rules. What's dumb about it? Everything about it is dumb. Plus, burgers are gross. Burgers are great. You're dumb. And come on, dude. I would really like to play Burger Time. It's so much fun. Fine. You may go first. Thank you, Iceberg. I appreciate that. I shall go first. What, what I like to do, Iceberg, is I go all the way to the top, and then I run across, and I knock the buns, and then I go down the ladder, and then I do it like level... Oh, the, 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 the right button. Oh, they're on it. Dude, you stink at this. No, I don't, dude. I'm great. Check it out. They're, they're, I'm going to get a... I'm going to... I'm gonna get uh, get these guys over here. Let me go down the let me get on the ladder. Do you even know how to play the game? Use your pepper. I said use the pepper. I can't use the pepper. I got I got I gotta let him get closer. The egg is catching up to you. Icebergs. Let me concentrate. You totally stink at this. Dude, knock it off. I'm trying to focus. Have you ever even played before? Move over, dum dum. Watch out! You, you can't just you can't just push me aside and take over. You can't take over my game. Let me show you how to do it. You have to wait until they are all on a bun and then you pepper them. Come on, Iceberg! Stop! Let me play my game. And then you run across the bun, and they all fall and make your disgusting burger in one fell swoop. See, that is how you play the game, rookie. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Look at that. It bleeds. We did that. Kong was just defending his territory. We're going to bring that ape down. We're going to save Kong. To show that man is king. Kong Skull Island, rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX March 10. King Kong Skull Island is the latest in the world of giant monster movies. It stars it stars Tom Hiddleston, who you might know as Loki. Brie Larson, who you will know as Captain Marvel. And Samuel Jackson who you also know as Nick Fury. The The basic idea for this one is that a scientist played by John Goodman is trying to prove that monsters are real. So he sets an expedition to Skull Island. And when they get there, they discover King Kong. I would say, I would say that's about, that's the basic storyline. Let's, uh, let's hop on over to Tomatoes and see what... 
what we can get into as far as the pertinence. It is presently at 79% with the critics and 77% with me and you and the peeps. The movie is 118 minutes long and it was directed by Jordan Boat Roberts, who has in the past directed a movie known as The Kings of Summer. I am not I'm not familiar with that. He's some some sort of new jack. So let's see. What did I think of the movie? I I definitely enjoyed it. Oh, I, I forgot to mention that John C. Riley is in the movie. He plays a World War II pilot. Oh, I did not also mention the movie takes place in 1973. It's a bit a bit of a throwback. And John C. Riley plays a World War II pilot who crash landed on Skull Island many years ago, and he has he's been living there with the native people ever since. And his his journey to escape the island also becomes kind of a central storyline. As you can imagine, once they get there, everything goes awry. It becomes a jungle adventure where they have to they have to battle their way past any number of giant Skull Island monsters. There's a scary spider. There is I don't want to blow it. There's a lot of a lot of scary monsters and basically they're trying to fight their way through the island so that they can get picked up when the second crew of people come to Skull Island. What What's going on is they recently launched some surveillance satellites and for the first time ever they get a picture of Skull Island. Up until then it was undiscovered because for some reason or another the whole area is surrounded by storms. The whole thing is blocked in by clouds. Nobody ever goes through there until they see the picture on the satellite and then then they head there. John Goodman John Goodman kind of plays it off like we need to get there before the Russians. They have satellites too and who knows what's on that island. It could be it could be anything and we got to get it first. The the guy who played Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton who is also on The Walking Dead. He was in this movie and also the guy who was Eazy-E in Straight Outta Compton is in this. I did I did enjoy this movie. I did enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It really moves along and it's there is always something going on. There's action, 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 fight, fight, fight. And the monsters are interesting to look at. They have a few interesting designs. Some things I've never seen before. So I did have a good time for with it. But it's not perfect. It is a bit too long. That is that's usually my knock on movies is that they are too long. As somebody who goes... To the movies a lot. I I want them to make nice tight movies without without any extras. But I also think that maybe maybe for people who only take in the occasional movie, what they're trying to do is give them more than their money's worth. You know, let's let's not cut short on the action. Let's give all the action. Let's give the people. Let's make the people feel like they're getting what they paid for. And I dig that too. But. I am the type who goes there a couple times a week, and I don't know, I always feel like I just wanted to get toward the end. A movie like this, it's going to have a battle at the end. You know it. Any type of an action movie of this sort is going to be like a big fight at the end. A boss fight. It's inevitable. And I, I, I'm trying to think of how to put this the best way that I can. I feel as if 
the boss fights in movies of this type, and also this fight too, are, they're not booked very well. There are, there are too many false finishes. There are too many spots that, that just aren't necessary. In, in the world of professional wrestling, they are, you know, theoretically, they are experts in how to put together a scene like this so that it builds with inevitable flow and then right at the right moment, right when it should, it ends. I feel like when I watch a movie like this, the the fight goes up and down, up and down, up and down, and it never ends when it should. They always keep going and keep going, and they keep going and doing high spots and spots and finishers and false finishers when everybody knows how the fight is going to go. Like, when you go see a Rocky movie, you know that Rocky is going to win the fight. So, there's no need to have it be, like, a massive hour-long scene. You can really just have an exciting fight with some ebb and flow, and then end it right at the highest moment. When you go on too long, you leave the the crowd feeling exhausted. You're just exhausted by what you're seeing, and in a world where all you have to do is animate the scene with CGI, I say that like that's really easy. It's not. But in a world where all you have to do is that, I think that sometimes they go they go overboard with the moves. Everybody's got to try to get their moves in. And that's the case in this movie too. It just goes on and on and on at the end when you've arrived at the point you know where it's going to go, and you would just like to see it get there in as quickly as it can in a satisfying manner. And they just keep going on and on and on. I think that I've even gone on too far with this point, and I don't know if any of this makes sense. I'm just saying they need better bookers for the boss fights of movies, and this one, this one was no different, but it's cool. It's a good movie. I did enjoy it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I definitely had a good time. Me and the wife have been talking about it ever since, just kind of theorizing different different scenarios. There is an after the credit scene that you might want to wait and see. I believe that with this they are building to a King Kong versus Godzilla. That's what I've heard that the King Kong world and the Godzilla world of the last movie are the same world and at some point they are going to book a fight between the big two and I am down for that. I will be so excited. I I way prefer King Kong. I do. I think he's cool. I like him. He's a big he's a big ape. Everybody likes an ape, but it just seems like Godzilla has too many advantages in the fight. He has, you know, like laser breath or whatever, and he seems like his skin is armored. It's like nigh invincible. So I don't know. I don't know how they're going to to spin it to make the fight more even, but I hear that's where they're going, so Let's, uh, let's get to hoping. I think I am going to give, I'm going to give King Kong a solid 3.5 mics on the source meter. Hey, this is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke on G.I. Joe, and you're listening to the Toys R Us Report. Yo, Joe! Make sure to visit VirtualDirtMall.com 
and support the Toys R Us report with a generous purchase of some retro or not so retro junk. Maybe a Ghostbusters action figure, or a Star Trek Pryapella hat. It's really up to you. VirtualDirtMall.com. You won't be sorry for long. Up next, what's sure to be an awesome segment, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe. You're welcome in advance. All right, we are back on the show, back for more fun and games, back for more back for more learning and knowledge. In this segment, what we are going to do is take a look at a villain from the DC Universe, also from the DCW Universe on the CW Network. Her name goes goes by Killer Frost. Yes. The the medical officer on Team Flash, which we which we see every Tuesday on the CW network. But here is here is where things get tricky. I wanted to tell you all about Killer Frost, aka Caitlin Snow on the show, and I wanted to do it the way that we do it around here through the guise of DC Comics Seminal 80s comic guide known as Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe. I I figured I would go and I'd grab my volume and I would I would school you about Killer Frost through through that lens. But then when I went and I got the episode, I, I made a discovery. A discovery that I did not know but that I probably should have known before starting on this endeavor. What I learned is Caitlin Snow on the show is not the person that I knew as Killer Frost. Let me, let me grab, I'm reaching, let me grab the manual that I have here, and the person that I knew as Killer Frost from back in the 80s was Dr. Luis Lincoln, but even before that, there was another Killer Frost. Her name was Crystal Frost. Crystal was number one, Lincoln was number two, and Caitlin Snow who started becoming Killer Frost in the DC Comics universe in the year 2013 is Killer Frost number 3 and since since she came out so late in the game she does not have a traditional who's who entry if we if we still have time we'll take a look at at Caitlin Snow at the end but for the time being because because we are very strict about what we do around here and how we use the Who's Who Guide, we are going to be taking a look at Killer Frost number, number one and also number, number dose. So did it do. With that out of the way, let's let's go ahead and see what we can learn about Crystal Frost, aka Killer Frost, aka Dr. Louise Lincoln. Those are her alter egos, her occupation for both is a former scientist, now professional criminal. The marital status of both is they are single. Neither has any known relatives, and the group affiliation for Killer Frost number one, aka Crystal Frost, is she was a member of the Secret Society of Supervillains, while the other Killer Frost chose to work alone. Both of them operated a mobile base. That means that that they're like they're vagabonds, that they are out on the road, traveling around, being crazy, and and committing crimes. Maybe. Maybe riding the rails, maybe, I don't know, stowing away on boats. I know not. The first appearance of Crystal Frost was in Firestorm number three, and then she made her first appearance as Killer Frost in Firestorm number 20. The second Killer Frost, Louisa Lincoln, 
She first appeared in Firestorm number 34. Number one is five foot four. Number two is five foot three. They weigh 123 and 105 respectively. Both of their eyes are blue. Number one's hair is blonde and later blue. That's actually, that is actually true for both. So that is the pertinence, the details and such about, I don't know, their physical appearances, things of that sort, the, the issues regarding their personal statistics. And I guess, I guess, and nothing. Let's keep, uh, let's keep moving into her history. Dr. Crystal Frost was an extremely withdrawn young woman who sought to be accepted as an equal by her fellow scientists, but felt herself instead to be the victim of prejudice against women. That's whack. While studying at Hudson University, she fell in love with one of her teachers, Dr. Martin Stein. Years later, Stein visited a scientific project she was working on in the Arctic. She was shocked to learn that Stein was not and never had been in love with her. Now, we know Martin Stein as one half of Firestorm on another DCW show. That show is Legends of Tomorrow. He is the older gent who is the scientist side of Firestorm. So, what we have there is a sad, withdrawn young lady who feels like somebody should love her. That... That we all should be loved, and that her especially should be loved, but then she was met with nothing but disappointment when Martin Stein showed up, and he's like, I'm just here, you know, to check out your project. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking anything romantically. See, he was doing what he should have been doing. He was keeping romance out of the workplace, you know, he was focused on being a pro, being a professional scientist, and he just wanted to see what was, uh, what was popping off in the Arctic. I don't think, I don't think I'd ever really want to go to the Arctic. I think that it would be cool if they could teleport you in for a minute and then teleport you back out. But I think that the process of getting out there would be just so strenuous. And then when it, when it's time to leave, when you've had like your 15 minutes of fun in the Arctic and it's time to leave, it would be such a pain to get out. I don't even know. How you do it. What do you do? Like snowmobiles and sleighs and things like that. Snow machines, uh, cross-country skis, snowshoes. Have you ever worn snowshoes? Question mark. I have not. And I've always thought that they were interesting. I get the idea how they work. But as a kid, as a kid in uh, California, it didn't snow like ever. And... Every once in a while, you would kind of play snow when you were doing stuff. And I recall a couple times, like, strapping uh, tennis rackets to my feet and walking around like snowshoes. I could never, I could never get them tied on securely. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a super fun game. And even, even thinking back now, I, I must have been pretty bored. Before the internet and cable and all this stuff, it was... It was pretty boring, and you would do a lot of things that you wouldn't normally do. I remember one time, my brother got a Nerf golf set for for Christmas one year, and it was so boring at one point that we took the the set and made a made a course. I think we actually only made like one hole, but to make it into the hole, you had to go like three blocks and into the park and. We played this hole like five or six times in one day. I, it was, 
It was like a par 100, considering that a Nerf golf ball wouldn't travel very far, and considering that we were, like, completely awful golfers. I still am. He might... He might have improved a bit, but I, I stink. I've only ever done it a couple times, and I, I don't know. I don't don't have the skills. I didn't get the skills to be great the first time I was out there, so I, I gave it up, is, is, is what I'm saying. All right, uh, let's let's continue into, into Dr. Frost. Dr. Frost accidentally locked herself in a thermostat, thermofrost chamber, and as a result, was transformed into a superhuman being calling herself Killer Frost. She sought vengeance on her allegedly prejudiced male colleagues and on Stein by absorbing all of the heat from their bodies. However, Stein joined with student Ronnie Raymond to become Firestorm, who then defeated Killer Frost. So, this chick got all whacked out. She, she went ahead and locked herself into a thermostat chamber. What even is that? Let's, let's hop online and find out what a thermostat chamber is. Sorry, this is taking so long. I should have, I should have done this earlier. I, I'm sorry. Is that what it's even called? Let's, uh, let's go back in here. It is... That you was that was nice that you had to hear that. It's a thermofrost chamber. Let's uh thermofrost chamber. I wish I had more science knowledge than I do. There is let's see, hit the search button. <laughs> Everything that comes up when you look for a thermofrost chamber is involved with killer frost, crystal frost to be exact. So I guess it's not a real thing. Let's let's imagine what it is. I think that it is some kind of a freeze-drying device that it can take something and reduce the temperature down to sub-freezing levels instantly or something like that. It's like a flash freeze device and she put herself in there and zapped. She got zapped with that and it turned her into Killer Frost. That's what happens a lot of times. In, in comics, if you like expose yourself to an element you will often become that element. Like, if you had, like, a, a hyper, a hyper heating chamber, if you went in that, if you didn't, if you didn't immediately burst into flames and die, you would actually leave with the powers of fire. Which is what happened to Killer Frost, except she got the powers of ice. Let's, uh, let's take a moment right now and dig into the VHS vault. And let's, uh, let's pop in. We got, a. This is it right here. Hold on one sec. Got a nice DC Comics commercial. We'll be back in a moment with more Killer Bros. Holy icicles! In their daily pursuit of justice, our superhero characters do battle with the world's most evil villains. Where will the next evil villain come from? Maybe you will create them in Post Superheroes Create a Villain Contest. Grand prize. Nine kids win a one-week trip to Hollywood. They'll have breakfast with these superheroes. And the villain they've created. Second prize. One thousand win bicycles. Millions will enter and everyone who does gets superheroes puppy stickers. Details on specially marked boxes of Alphabet, Super Sugar Crisp, Honeycomb, and Pebble Cereal. You can draw and paint your villain in the picture provided. Three different pictures. Superman! Wonder Woman! Batman and Robin! 
three grand prizes per picture. The most original villains win. Holy Hollywood! Post Superheroes Create a Villain Contest. Details on specially marked boxes of Alphabet, Super Sugar Crisp, Honeycomb, and Pebble Cereals. That contest is so dope. I I wonder what won. I can't even imagine. And I wonder if I wonder if they did the kind of a deal where the winner was plastered on the cover of whatever issue it was. Like, let's just say this person invented the weasel, who was another Firestorm villain, and they were gonna go and have, you know, Fury of Firestorm number whatever featuring the weasel would they have like some kind of a some kind of a logo on the front that says featuring the winner of the make a superhero contest or whatever i wonder i doubt it i wonder if the character ever even appeared i i should look into this i wonder i wonder so many things i, I wonder, wonder, wonder 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 who who wrote the book of love i wonder I don't know, man. Let's uh, let's get back to Killer Frost. After her defeat at the hands of Firestorm, which we which we were talking about after the after the commercial break, before the commercial break is what I I meant to say. Firestorm has the power to turn anything into anything else. Like for example, he could turn oxygen into lead, or he could turn water into plastic. He is. He is undefeatable, if you really think about it. If the guy put it together, he would be the greatest superhero of all time. He is so powerful. And you would think with having Professor Stein as half of his personality that the professor would be able to come up with, like, some really dope scientific things that they could use, they could use the powers for. But Firestorm's always been... He's always been, like, looking for a way to take him through the night. Couldn't get it right. Couldn't get it right. For real, though. For real. Imagine that you have all that ability and all you've ever done with yourself is be, like, a B-level Justice League member. I mean, being in the JLA is a big deal, but Firestorm never made waves the way that he should have. Uh... Let's continue. Let's continue on with with this. Enough, enough funning around. Killer Frost spent months imprisoned within a deep freeze unit. After escaping, she went to Dr. Louise Lincoln, whom she had known in college. Lincoln told her that her month-long imprisonment in the unit was rapidly killing her. Knowing she was dying, Killer Frost went on a rampage. Finally, Firestorm allowed her to absorb much of his own energy, which was so intense that it consumed her. Believing that her former friend deserved to live more than she, Louise Lincoln performed an experiment that turned her into the new Killer Frost. Lincoln insanely believes that by doing so, she has allowed Crystal Frost to live again. And Lincoln has shown her role as Killer Frost to overwhelm her identity over time. This second Killer Frost has teamed up with the terrorist Plastique to battle Firestorm. But he has defeated them both. I don't really understand what happened there. The The original Killer Frost was dying. So she went to a friend of hers and she gave her the Killer Frost treatment. But now the second person believes that she is the first. If you were, 
if you were going to go ahead and write it that way, why not just, why not just keep the first? Let's, uh, let's look into some of the abilities of Killer Frost. Killer Frost needs to absorb heat in order to survive, hence, Killer Frost can kill people by kissing them and simultaneously draining the warmth from their bodies. If she succeeds in draining all of a person's warmth, he will die. However, she is highly vulnerable to cold, which causes her own energy to drain from her body, eventually rendering her immobile. That's interesting. She, she is cold, but if you use cold against her, you can take her out. Intriguing. Killer Frost can project waves of coldness from her body that can freeze virtually anything. She can thus create sheets of ice or shoot spear-like icicles at opponents. She often gestures when using her powers, but she can project waves of coldness from her eyes or even freeze things by touching or walking on them. Killer Frost can even appear to levitate by causing swirling cold air to support her weight. That is... That's the pretty generic cold power. It's very similar to Iceman or the Icicle or like what Mr. Freeze, what his freeze gun can do. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary there, but still pretty dope. Let's, uh, let's hop on eBay and see what the first appearance of Killer Frost can go for. We are going to look at Firestorm number three, which is... This is the earliest issue of all the issues, so this would, this would be where it's all going to start. Let's take a look. Uh, let's, uh, we are still online. Good to go. Let's wait for eBay to load. Sorry this is, sorry this is taking so long. Dial-up internet on Jupiter is not all that it's cracked up to be. Let's, uh, okay, so we got the solds. That is what I believe to be the best way to examine something. See what people are actually paying. Somebody, somebody went ahead and purchased one for $7.27, $7.27. That was, that was at an auction that ended earlier this week. They got a, they got a good price on that. Somebody paid $18.50 for one at an auction. Someone paid $45 for a graded, graded 9, 9.0. That's, uh, that's not bad. I don't own any graded comics. None at all. I've thought about having a couple done, but I haven't, I haven't done it. Somebody paid 250 for one graded at 9.8. So these are going to vary anywhere from under 10 bucks for a copy to up to 200 and 250 bucks. I, my first exposure to Killer Frost was during the Crisis on Infinite Earths, when the Monitor brought a bunch of heroes together, and villains as well, to help save the Earth from, save all the Earth, the multiverse, from destruction, and Killer Frost was one of the people there, and she was paired up with Firestorm, but she was so so aggressive toward him that this guy, the Psycho Pirate, his power was he would make an expression at you. Like, if he made a a happy face, you would feel happy. If he made a sad face, you would feel sad. And he came came up to Killer Frost and he caused her to have feelings of love for Firestorm. So, for the entirety of the Crisis on Infinite Earth, she was she was smitten with him like Betty Cooper is smitten with Archie Andrews. And they went through all that, and I didn't see her again up until, uh, I don't know, within the last 10 years, I picked up an 
episode issue of the remake of The Suicide Squad. This was before the movie came out, and they decided to put a new squad together that would feature a bunch of new villains, as well as Sergeant Rock and Bulldozer, who, of course, you know from Easy Company and the days of World War II. It turns out that Rock had exposure to, like, time-traveling elements and that he was still... He was still alive today and still a bit older. He appeared to be in his late 50s or 60s, but considering he should be like 197 years old, he was he was doing great. But Killer Frost was one of the anchors of the Suicide Squad in this series. And there was one mission, I recall, where she was she was the only survivor. Really, really sad stuff, I guess, watching a bunch of supervillains die. So... There you have it. That is, that's about all you'll need to know about Killer Frost. I looked a bit into the, the Caitlin Snow version of Killer Frost, and it turns out that she's just kind of a reboot, and she's very similar to the character on The Flash. She worked at Star Labs. She's a medical doctor. She was given the powers, and yada, yada, yada. Things turned out the way they turned out, and she's still in the supervillain game today. So, with that said... I think that's enough about Caitlin Snow. If you want to know more, her Wikipedia entry is maybe 350 words. So you can hop on over there and check that out. But there's not not a lot to say as far as that goes. And let's move into the into the final segment of the show known as the Toys R Us Report. of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Shall we play a game? Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. Game over, man. Game over. Geekfest Rants is an entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. So say we all. So say we all. Join us by listening in at iTunes, YouTube, and at geekfestrants.com. You are listening to IC Robots Radio. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us Report. All right, we are back for the final segment of the show that is, for some reason, known as the Toys R Us Report. This is this is the part of the show where we talk about many things, what we... What we've done, what we've seen, things over at the Toys R Us, maybe, maybe some comics we're reading. I do not know some some more flea market stories. Any any number of things can happen during this part of the show. I think let's uh, let's start off with this while it's still on my mind. I was I was on the Earth base and I was going through my storage closet and I came across a pack of mini mates that for some reason I. I never opened and I decided, hey, why not have why not have a show giveaway? I don't know when the last time we did something like that was. So, no time like the present, right? Let's uh let's do it now. What we have here is a pack of the Walking Dead mini mates featuring Wintercoat Dale and a female zombie. It's great. It hasn't been opened. It is for ages 8 through 11. It came out in 2012, man, it's been sitting around my closet for for four years. This is a series one. It has the it has the uh, alternate Dale. The original Dale has a puppy coat. This is this is winter coat Dale. I'm not saying that this is valuable in any way. I'm just saying that I want to give it out 
to somebody out there. And what you have to do to enter this great giveaway is just retweet the link to the episode. Go over to IC Robots. That's at IC Robots on Twitter. I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S. As if I see robots. Like I'm looking at them. Go over there. Find the tweet for this particular episode, number 112, and retweet it, and you will automatically be entered into the contest. I'll I'll mail this to you. I will. I have it right here. I'll put it in a box. I'll get it out to you. Just retweet the link, and then on the next episode, I will I'll go through it, and we'll, we'll find out who won. Make sure to tune in episode number 113 to find out about that. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. You really want this. It's neat. Some neat mini mates unopened from the vault, the vault of the Earth base. I bought some stuff. I don't always buy stuff, but sometimes I do buy stuff. I was, I was poking around eBay and uh, I started a, I have an automatic search now for pin mates. These are the Fisher Price little people like action figures. They don't have any actions. I don't know if you'd call them that. They're made of wood and they, they are put out by Biff Bang Pow. I, I've started getting into these. I've only only got the one so far, but over the past week, I purchased two more on eBay. I got I got Captain Kirk. Somebody had him listed for three ninety nine with free shipping. I know it's going to cost like two ninety nine to ship, so I don't I don't know you know what the deal is on that. But I bought that. It hasn't gotten here yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And the one that I the one that I am more looking forward to that I got is the Yvonne Craig TV Batman Pinmate. It's so great. It's purple. She's small. I am so looking forward to her getting here. It should be here in a day or so. We'll we'll talk about that the next time we get together. I, I've started digging on these pinmates. I've always been a big fan of the Fisher-Price little people. These are, you know, the small peg action figures. Why do I keep calling them action figures? I guess, I guess that's what they are by default using modern lingo. But they're, you know, the little pegs with heads. They're kind of fun. Oh, dig this. This one, uh... This goes out to Engineer Nerd. We were talking about this on Twitter the other day about Fisher Price playsets. We went to the we went to the flea market at the Veterans Building, and this is it's pretty dinky. It was the indoor one. It was still raining, and we were just going to kind of dip in and out. But when we got in, the very first table we got to had a bunch of Fisher Price little people. They had a couple playsets and a giant bag of people. So we started talking to the lady who had it, and while we were digging through the the playsets, I found the one that I have never had and that I've coveted for a while. I found the castle. Me and Engineer Nerd were talking about this, and he said that far and away the castle playset is the greatest one. And now that I now that I have found it and brought it home, I do have to say that I absolutely concur with that. It's terrific. So she had that, and she had a big bag of people like. I'm not even kidding, like 60 or 70 people, and I was able to get these from her for $25. I was very happy with it. When we got home and went through them, we had just about every piece of the castle. We were missing one throne, one of the horses was missing its tail, and sadly, we were missing the dragon. The dragon is kind of the the centerpiece of the whole thing. If you go on eBay and you start looking for one, you're going to be paying like $35, $40 for this pink dragon. And the majority of those have their tails knocked off. I guess the tail was a fragile piece. So we got almost everything, but we didn't get the dragon. We'll have to pick that up separately. But it was 
overall a pretty nice purchase. I'm totally satisfied with this. This is a pretty fun playset. It's a full-on castle with a king and a queen, and there's a knight who rides a horse, and these are all distinct uh, molds for Fisher-Price little people. The knight is wearing armor, and he's looking out through his visor. He has an armor piece that goes over his horse. There are some nice pieces of furniture. There's like a Robin Hood looking one in there. The castle's great. It has a trap door on the top that would drop you into the dragon pit. This is just just a really neat playset and I was glad to, you know, I was glad to be able to get it at such a low price. When we went to the dig the next day, we were talking to one of the dudes there and he was saying that there was a day the week before that we didn't go where they pulled out like dozens of Fisher-Price Little People sets. Like somebody must have donated a giant collection. He said they had just tons and tons of different ones and tons of people and everybody was scurrying for them. It sucks that we weren't there, but I'm glad that I was able to, you know, in some way come up on this because we got it. We got it from the gal who got it from there. It's a cool set, man. Fisher-Price Little People are cool. Uh, pin mates are cool because they're the exact same size. So, like, right now I have, you know, Harley Quinn is running around the castle. She's the one. And when I got, when Yvonne Craig gets here, she's going to drop in too, as well as Captain Kirk. So, pretty neat stuff overall. What else, uh, what else is going on? I still have not found that Star Wars Black Sabine. I haven't seen it anywhere. I, I've been going to Target. I've been going to Toys R Us. Kohl's, Kmart. Just anywhere I can think of, and I have not seen it. Have you guys seen it? If you've seen it, shoot me a tweet that's at IC Robots and let me know what what store you saw it in so I can start hitting it up there too. I I did find the Titanium Series Sabine helmet. It's a small helmet on a stand. It's pretty cool. It came in a two-pack with her and Lord Vader. So you get you get two of the helmets that you would want more than any other helmets, like right right off the back. That's pretty neat, I think. I got Sabine here on my desk on the Jupiter station, and the other one is down on the Earth base on my desk. So I got them both. I think it was like $13.99. That was a target. I was there looking for the Star Wars Black, which I did not find. I, I canceled a couple comics over at the comic store, and I added one to my pull list the other day. I I called up my man Chris over at Comics for the Win in Santa Rosa and I'm like, "Man, I've been I've been reading Iron Man for a while now and I think that I think that I'm going to have to drop it." And he, you know, he wasn't trying to talk me out of it or anything, but he's just like, "Why, man? What's what's the deal?" I told him that as much as I like the new girl Riri Williams that they've Peg to be the new Iron Man, I think that I'm just not enjoying it because when when I tune into Iron Man, when I pick up Iron Man, what I'm looking for is some over-the-top Tony Stark tech adventures. And, you know, Riri Williams is, she's a young girl. She's just taking up the mantle of Iron Man. She's learning the ropes. She's She's really woke. It's really a woke series. And I dig it, man. I dig progressive stuff. And Marvel's always been super progressive as far as their politics. And I'm I'm totally cool with that. And I don't mind seeing, you know, like a young gal becoming Iron Man. I don't mind that at all. But 
when I when I picked up the comic, what I wanted was to read some Tony Stark. Brian Michael Bendis is writing it, and I thought it would be really neat to see Brian Michael Bendis writing Tony Stark. And I don't know. I feel I feel bad because the new directions just she's just not doing it for me. It's like she's out there and she's trying to find herself in the world and. That might be cool for somebody, but it's just not the thing when when you're in your 40s and you've been reading comics for, you know, 30 plus years. It's just, this is aimed at a younger set, but I feel a bit bad because, uh, you know, I've been with, I've been with Iron Man for a while and I, I, I don't know. I had to give it up. I thought that was just a move to do. So in its place, I added Reggie from Archie Comics. I had already picked up the first issue of Reggie and I liked it. So I decided, hey, I might as well stick with that. So now I'm getting Archie, Jughead, Betty and Veronica, and Reggie. I'm getting every Archie comic except for except for Josie and the Pussycats, which maybe would be good, but I, I kind of missed it at the start. Now they're sort of into it and I, I don't know. I'm not, maybe, I'm not going to say I'm not ever going to get into it because I probably will at some point, but... I'm not going to get into it at the present. And then I also, I dumped The Ultimates, which I really did like at one point, but it's become too, too cosmic. And the Marvel cosmic stuff, the outer space, the cosmic beings, Galactus, all that stuff, it's always, always been confusing to me. I prefer the more street level Daredevil, Power Man and Iron Fist, kind of guys like that. The dudes are out there on the streets knocking heads, taking names. I like that kind of comic. That's what, um... What I really am into as far as Marvel, The Punisher, things like that. And this was recommended to me by Chris. And it's been good so far. And it's not that it's bad. But every once in a while, you got to go through your comics and you have to decide what what are you reading that you really enjoy? And what are you just reading because you've been reading it for a while? Because a comic costs $3.99. And there's only like 22 pages. So when I get one... I want to be excited about it. And I started thinking, what are the comics I'm excited about as opposed to just the other ones? And I'm like, well, I'm always excited to get the new Walking Dead. I always enjoy that. I enjoy the Archie. I really enjoy the Betty and Veronica. I'm excited to get that. And I really did dig the first Reggie. And I really like Jessica Jones over at Marvel. That always gets me excited. I'm still into Cave Carson at DC and... That was about it right now. If you guys got any good comic suggestions, I would love to hear it. Hit me up at IC Robots or on the Facebook group at facebook.com backslash IC Robots. I, I love talking comics. And if you have some cool comics that you're into that you're reading that I am not reading, I would love to know what it is. I would love to pick up a couple more books that get me excited. So let's see what else. What else is cracking? Oh, so dig this. Next week, there is going to be a special presentation. I'm going to drop a all-new, exciting episode of This Boring Life. This one focuses on comic stores. It's about my history on the local comic book scene, what stores I've been to, what things have happened at these stores, and it acts overall as sort of a history of local comic stores. There is... A great story involving Mr. T. You gotta hear this story. It's great. There's a story about the time I met Spider-Man. There is another terrific story about a Jim Lee comic book store signing. The The episode is just over two hours long. I've never 
released or recorded anything this long. So that will be available next Wednesday in the place of the normal the normal Toys R Us report. And the week after that, we are we are going to be taking a trip to the Scorch. We're going to be going to Phoenix, Arizona to visit my folks and we are going to have a classic episode repost on that Wednesday. So you might want to take the two hours of this boring life and maybe think about spreading it over two weeks. You could actually get like two entire episodes out of that. So you might want to do that, but you will get an exciting episode from the past, blast from the past, something that I kind of want to highlight. I know not what it will be at this point, but it will be. It will be exciting and it will be great. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I think I think that we are I think that we're about ready to get out of here. So wish me luck in the scorch. We're gonna be hitting the dig up there. Hopefully I will be back with a ton of exciting stories and a ton of exciting new stuff to have purchased and to share with you. Every time I go to that dig in Phoenix, I do good. I found little people. I found adventure people. I got a Star Trek board game. I have done so good there. It doesn't seem as if the people that hang out at that dig there covet the same kind of things that I do. They they just leave like vintage toys laying all over the place and they leave, you know, exciting videotapes laying all around. They don't seem as if they're interested in the same things that I am, which is great. Good for me. More for the kids. So with that said, this is me signing off for uh, Iceberg 13, Engineer Emily on the board. This is the Toys R Us report, episode number 112, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe, Killer Frost. This is me, Icy Robots. And uh, if you don't know, now you know. Forget to retweet the link to this episode to be entered in the great Walking Dead Minimate giveaway. Hop on over to at IC Robots on Twitter and share this exciting episode with all your Twitter peeps and you will be automatically entered in the contest for a chance to win a cool pair of Walking Dead Minimates.